prayer, shall we? Father, your word tells us that your sheep hear your voice. And so that's our prayer this morning, that we would hear your voice. As your word has been read and now as your word is proclaimed, we pray that by your spirit you would open our ears to hear you, that you would grant us the faith to respond to you, that we might truly be your people, your children. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, how good is it to be here this morning? I must confess, excellent, one excellent up there. That's good, that's good. I must confess to saying that the alarm went off a little bit early this morning. It seemed a little bit early this morning, and I confess to watching a little bit of rugby last night. Um, I had to go to bed a wee bit early, and uh, so I was very pleased to wake up this morning and hearing that the ABs got through, but I also am very grateful that it wasn't uh, daylight saving this morning as well. We've got that to look forward to next weekend. Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Or as the NRSV translates that last phrase of that vital verse, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. And have it abundantly. The thief comes to steal, kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. I wonder if you've experienced loss in your life. To be human to live in this broken world is to experience loss, and Jesus reminds us that it is the thief of our soul that takes away from us. Uh, I've had a couple of experience of property loss this week. Ten days ago, I had some more property stolen from me, and it was property that was dear to me, and I grieved when I realized that it had been taken from me, but Jesus isn't talking about property. Jesus isn't talking about something that is physical necessarily that's being taken from us. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life in abundance. What happens when we lose vision in life? What happens when we lose our sense of purpose in life? What happens when we lose dignity in this life? What happens when our health is taken from us? What happens when fellowship and friendship has been stolen from us? Or even worse, what happens if we have the very essence of love stripped away from us? Well, this, my friends, is what Jesus warns us against in John's Gospel, chapter 10. The things that the thief of our soul comes to steal from us. This week, my son sent me a TED Talk link by Johan Hari, with the title, Everything You Think You Know About Addiction Is Wrong. Now, Johan Hari grew up in an addict's family, and uh, he grew up as a child knowing that his, something was wrong with his family. He speaks about going and trying to wake one of his family members, and they just wouldn't wake up. And he grew up realizing that this was due to the addiction in his family. He makes the conclusion at the end of this TED talk that the opposite of addiction is not sobriety but connection and his main thesis is that the way we are treating addictions of criminalizing and shaming our addicts is doomed to fail because the core problem of an addict is not chemical addiction but loss of meaningful connection, 
loss of meaningful connections with the people around us. If that was ever a description of the society that we're living in, that the thief of our souls has come to remove and steal, it's the loss of connections that we have with those around us. In the passage that Jesus announces that he has come to give his people life in its fullness, he begins by using the metaphor of being a shepherd and God's people being his sheep. Now that's not because we're dim-witted, it's not because we're prone to wander off, but it is because sheep follow and sheep gather together in significant connections. And so Jesus uses this metaphor in John 10 to describe the church, to describe even the kingdom of God. Over the last four weeks, we've been exploring what is the kingdom of God? What is the kingdom of God? We've talked about it being God's presence, God's purpose, and God's power revealed in Christ. This phrase that Jesus speaks of here, I have come to bring life, and life in its fullness goes to the heart of what it means to be in the kingdom of heaven, to be in the kingdom of God. How connected are you today? The fact that you're here this morning implies that you have connections. It implies that you have some sense of ownership with this church, Hope Church, and that gives you a huge head start for the culture that you are living in, this Western culture that we are living in, so disconnected. The fact that you are here this morning connected gives you such a head start, but it doesn't guarantee you connections with the people that you're sitting beside. It doesn't guarantee you connections with the people in this room. Something has to happen before you know the depths of connection that Jesus promises in these verses. This very familiar passage from John 10, where we find Jesus addressing the Pharisees using the image of a shepherd and his sheep following him. The first six verses of chapter 10 that we didn't have read to us describes the shepherd leading his sheep out of the sheep pen because they're known, they have known his voice. But I want to focus on the verses from verse 7 and following, which happen to include two of the I am statements in John's gospel. As we've heard, as Fred read to us, we hear those two I am statements. I am the gate, Jesus says, and I am the good shepherd. The significance of those two statements cannot be underestimated when it comes to our understanding of what the kingdom of God is. I am the gate and I am the good shepherd. Jesus is invoking the very name of Yahweh when he uses that phrase, and he uses it seven times in John's gospel, the very name of Yahweh, I am. The name, the proper name that Yahweh gave to Moses at the burning bridge, the what? <laughs> the bush, that's right. There are no bridges involved in that revelation. The very name of Yahweh, pay attention, Stuart, the very name of Yahweh, I am the gate, I am the good shepherd. When Jesus takes that divine name on himself, he is saying what? He is saying Yahweh is present, Yahweh is present, I am the gate. If you've got a Bible, turn with me to John 10, reading from verse 7, therefore Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. 
All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and they will go out and they will find pasture. I am the gate. Literally, I am the door. I am the entrance into the sheep pen that Jesus has been describing. The kingdom of heaven. I am the way into this pen. There is no other way. In the first six verses, Jesus has talked about thieves and robbers who find illegitimate ways to get into the kingdom. They do not belong there. The very fact that you're sitting in this room does not guarantee that you are yet in the kingdom of heaven. There is only one way into the kingdom of heaven. It is through the gate. I am the gate, Jesus says. And look at what he describes in this pen. This pen describes the security of being in the kingdom of heaven. He talks about his sheep coming and going. There is a freedom in the kingdom of heaven that you have not yet tasted. The freedom to be able to come into the sheep pen and to go out of the sheep pen. There is freedom in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus says that you come and go and you will find pasture. There is sustenance in the kingdom of heaven for you. You will be nourished in the kingdom of heaven in this pasture. But when the scriptures talk about the pasture for God's flock, it's not just about nourishment. Think of Psalm 23. He will make me lie down in green pastures. There is rest. There is a perfect place of rest in the kingdom of heaven. And all of those together, the security, the freedom, and the leadership of God's voice, the sheep hearing God's voice, the sustenance, the rest, all of those things gather together and we have a picture of the salvation that Jesus talks about here in verse 9, and you will be saved. This is what happens when we enter through the gate, the Lord Jesus. But the thief... Jesus goes on to say, comes to steal all of that. The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. You might have heard me say before that one of the marks of our current late modern Western culture is the absence of, of hope. If there is one thing that the thief of your soul would like to remove from you, it is the essence of hope. It is the truth of hope. The thief comes to steal. He comes to steal your hope. You might say, well, that's not my experience. But let me tell you, the culture that we are living in, who is being told lie after lie that we are just accidents, that we are just a gathering of chemicals, are learning from a very young age that what's the point? If I'm just a here by chance, if I have no purpose in life, then where is the hope? What is the sense of meaning for me? The thief comes to steal that hope from our people. The enemy of God, the thief, he comes also to steal. Now, he comes to kill, sorry. If you weren't sure about this, then just watch the legislation that is currently being debated in Parliament. The word that Jesus uses here to kill actually literally means to sacrifice. It's an offering. If ever there was a sacrifice that it's being made, that is being legislated for now, it is the right for a mother to choose to sacrifice her unborn child 
for the right to live without the burden of motherhood. The thief comes to kill. But equally, the family that says granddad or grandma, they're suffering too much, they have no quality of life, so we will kill them, we will sacrifice them also on the altar of choice. This week, I heard the disturbing story of a case in the Netherlands three years ago. A grandmother who had dementia and she was euthanized three years ago. The doctor drugged her coffee against her will. Then her family physically restrained her while the doctor gave her a lethal injection to kill her. And in the courts of law in the Netherlands, this has just come up, and the doctor was exonerated because why? Because she had said in her will one year prior to this extermination that she was open to euthanasia, but not yet. She was open to euthanasia, but not yet. Because she had written that into her, into her will, the doctor was exonerated and was able to kill this woman against her will. Patients with dementia can now be killed by doctors even if they strongly object to euthanasia at the time so long as they have previously given consent for the fatal procedure in the Netherlands. In 2017, 83 people with mental illness were killed in the Netherlands. Over 6,000 people were killed at the hands of doctors in that country. The thief comes to steal, he comes to kill, and he comes to destroy. There are many things that the enemy of your soul wants to destroy. He'll destroy if you give him a foothold into your life. He'll destroy your peace. He'll destroy your joy. He'll destroy fellowship. He can take all of those things if you open the door to the enemy in your life. Sin, whether you're guilty of transgression yourself or someone else, has wronged God at your expense, opens the door, not for redemption, but for bondage, for the destruction of your shalom. Genesis 4, 6, 7. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. Its desire is to have you, but you must rule over it. The thief comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. Last Sunday, I was in the afternoon, I was walking my dog, as I tend to do, wandering around the neighborhood, and I heard some music playing that I hadn't heard played for a long time, and it was a song that triggered some memories in my mind. It was, a, it was an old Bob Dylan number, Old Come Clean. Any, any Dylan fans out there? Yeah, there's one or two. And this particular song I hadn't heard for maybe 20 years. It's called License to Kill. And it struck in my memory, and I went and looked up the lyrics. Dylan said this in 1983. Man thinks because he rules the earth, he can do with it what he please. And if things don't change soon, he will. A man has invented his doom. The first step was touching the moon. Now there's a woman on my block. She just sits there as the night grows still, and she says, who is going to take away his license to kill? Who's going to take away this license to kill? Who's going to take away Parliament's hell-bent desire to extend the license to kill? He goes on to say he's hell-bent for destruction. He's afraid and he's confused. His brain has been mismanaged with great skill, and all he believes are his eyes, and his eyes just tell him 
these lies? Who's going to take away his license to kill? Who is going to take away this license to kill? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus, the gate, the great I am, says, I have come that you may have life and life in abundance. Is that your experience today? Are you experiencing, are you living your life in this place of abundance, this place of freedom, this place of sustenance, this place of obedience, this place of security? Is your life overflowing with the abundant life that Jesus is promising in this word? The life that Jesus holds out here is leading you to quiet pasture, a place of rest. When Jesus says he's come that you might have life and it's full, he's not adding stuff to an already cluttered calendar. He's not putting more things into your life. He's putting life itself there. He's describing life itself. He's saying, when you come to me with all of your brokenness, with all of your fears, with all of your anxieties, when you come to me, I'll bring you into this place of security I'll bring you into this place of rest and you will find life as it was created to be for you. That's what he's holding out to you. A life of abundance where the yoke is easy. A life where your soul is free of anxiety. Free of anxiety from performing. Free of anxiety of having to measure up to somebody else's expectations. It's a place of freedom. It's a place, a place of life. That's what Jesus is offering here, the abundant life. He goes on to say in verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Why would we trust this voice? Why would we trust this voice? Because he is the good shepherd. He is the one who reveals to us the Father heart of God. He is the one who can be trusted because he is good. We've sung about it already this morning. He is eternally good. We can trust this voice that is calling us into the sheep pen. How do we respond? That is a question. We experience loss. Loss is a part of human existence. The enemy of your soul wants to steal, kill, and destroy your life. But Jesus comes to offer you life and abundance. How do we respond? How do we access this? How do we hear that voice? How do we know that we are hearing the voice of the Good Shepherd? Well, I want to suggest three S's. Solitude, silence, and scripture. If you want to hear the voice of the Good Shepherd, you need to get alone with God. You need to spend time in quietness, listening for the voice of God. Reading his scriptures, hearing his word, getting alone, getting the clutter out of your life, getting the busyness out of your life and spending time alone. When was the last time that you sat down intentionally, quietly in silence and said, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. We busy our lives with so much. The exams that are looming the concerns in my family that are looming, the pressures of work, all that comes into clutter and crowd and you can't hear the voice of the good shepherd that's calling you. You need to get alone quietly in silence 
in solitude with the scriptures open to hear the voice of God. The reason my father loves me, Jesus says, is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Jesus knows the love of the Father, because in obedience, he laid down his life. Why did he lay down his life? So that you can experience true life. Jesus voluntarily laid down his life for you so that you can know the fullness of life that you were created for. God wants you to know that this morning. God wants you to know the fullness of eternal life this morning. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy, and he's been doing that, and he's still doing that, but I have come, Jesus says, that you might have life, and life in its fullness. There's people here this morning that are fearful, fearful of many things, and God would say to you this morning, I want to take that fear away, and fear and pride often go hand in hand. We're fearful of trusting fully the voice of the good shepherd because there's some resonance of proudness in our heart that says i can do this surely i can do this i've been doing it all my life this is all i know five months ago i had a young woman sitting in my lounge and mary and i prayed for that young woman and she was fearful and she was tearful and she had been trying to get on by herself protect herself to survive by herself for 25 years and there was a spiritual battle going on and God granted her the faith to say, I can't do this any longer. I can't do it any longer. And she yielded her life to Christ in faith. She heard the voice of the good shepherd. She surrendered her life. And you have had the joy of watching Sally journey over these last five months through the waters of baptism. And now she knows with the maturity of a mature saint in five months God has said to her you've got to just step out for a moment you've got to come and be silent and still and listen to me. some of you have to step out for a moment if you want to hear the voice of Jesus you're gonna to have to slow down you're gonna to have to lay down your fears lay down your anxieties and come through the gate that is Jesus and he can be trusted he can be trusted. Why? Because he is the good shepherd. He laid down his life for you. Some of you need to lay down your life this morning. You've been living in that place of performance, that place of fear, that place of anxiety, that place of striving. And God would say to you, you need to trust me and lay down your life so that only you can pick it up again. As Christ laid down his life and he picked it up. Some of you have known this journey for a long time. And yet there is a lack of freedom, that sense of coming and going. The good shepherd says, you come into the pen and there is freedom. You come and go, you serve me. There is freedom in the kingdom of God. And some of you have known God for a long, long time, and yet you're living in this place of bondage because you've forgotten that there is freedom in the kingdom of God. And God wants to set you free this morning. He wants to say, let's walk in the freeness of what it means to be in God's sheepfold. And some of you are doing that, and the call for you this morning is to give thanks. Some of you are walking in that place of freedom and that place of joy, and the call for you this morning is to give thanks. And we're going to do that as we gather around the table. It's called the Eucharist. 
The Eucharist means thanksgiving. And that's your opportunity as you take the bread and you take the wine, you reflect on the sacrifice of the death and the resurrection of Jesus and you give thanks and all of us can do that this morning. But for those of you who have never yielded your life to Christ, those of you who are still in that place of I can do this by myself, God's calling you this morning. He's calling you this morning. He wants you to know this abundant life, this life that is overflowing with freedom and joy and salvation. Let's bow our heads and our hearts in prayer. If that's you this morning, if you've never come to the cross, if you've never acknowledged that Jesus is the gate, if that's you, I want to ask for you to respond in faith and say, Jesus, I know it's time for me to lay down my life. It's time for me to receive the gift of your salvation. I know that I've been doing this alone and I need your grace. Would you just raise your hand now? If that's you, that God is calling into his sheepfold, would you just raise your hand now? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. God is calling you. If that's you, just raise your hand as an act of faith. As I pray for you now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this response of faith. We thank you for the gift of saving faith. We thank you that you are the good shepherd and you can be trusted. And so we pray, Lord Jesus, that you would fill your child, that you would fill your child with your saving grace, that she would know the joy of her salvation. Lord, for every single one of us here, we pray, Lord, that you would bring us into that place of freedom, the place of coming and going, the place of security. Lord, we thank you that you are the good shepherd, that you can be trusted and that we hear your voice this morning and we say we want to follow. As Hope Church, we say we want to follow you. So pour out your Holy Spirit, we pray. Pour out your grace and your favor on your church that we might know the freedom, the security, the sustenance, the salvation that you have for your church. And so this morning, as your church, Hope Church, this morning, we give you thanks. We give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. And we say, Jesus, we choose to follow you, our good shepherd. In your name we pray. Amen.